Hi, y'all. Welcome to Be With Your Body. My name is Sarah Jane Chapman. This is a podcast about folks connecting with their bodies exactly how they are without needing to be any other way. Today, we are chatting with Megan Moss, one half of the Nobody Asked For This podcast. Megan talks about her experience in a fat body and some stigma that she's experienced through that. We talk about purity culture. We talk about all sorts of other fun things. You hear us chat about some books and podcast episodes. Those will all be cited in the show notes. I hope through this, you find some experience, some strength, and some hope. Enjoy. I don't want to hate myself, my body, or my mind. I still have a lot to unlearn. In the meantime, I'll be kind. It's not just me. It's systems of oppression make us small. This healing's not just for you and me, because really, it's for us all. So, today I'm here with my friend Megan Moss, half of Nobody Asked for This podcast, but also just all-around wonderful person. And Megan, I would love for you to introduce yourself, share what like things you identify as or with, and maybe share your pronouns if you'd like. I would love to. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So I am Megan Moss. My pronouns are she, her, hers. What else? I am white, mostly able-bodied. Um, and what else? And cisgender. Um, and I'm fat. And love I it. find those to be all very meaningful and have lots of implications on my life. I love that. So great. Um, I don't want to share this for you, but I also wanted to share what you're working on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Work-wise. Yeah. Like school-wise. Yeah. I mean. So, yes. Um, yes, in fall 2020... I started uh, doing my master's in social work. So I'm on the clinical track. So I want to be a therapist. Yeah. And it kind of what brought me to it was um, I was in the space of, I'll say body positivity at the time, not like Mm -hmm. neutrality, which I don't know if you want to talk about Mm -hmm. the differences between those. I think you kind of already did in your first episode, but um, so I was, I was like dipping my toe in this world and seeing a therapist, um, that was also dipping her toe into this world. <laughs> so it was a great journey for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. and so she was doing mainly cognitive behavioral therapy. So we were addressing like thought patterns and how we could change those things. Right. And so I told her this story about being in public with my husband And how a lot of times I would feel like people wondered why we were together because he's straight sized and I am not, I'm in plus sizes. And, um, she said, well, that's a projection. That's a cognitive distortion. You're projecting Mm -hmm. that onto other people. Has anyone ever told you that? And I was like, well, yes, actually several people have. have I believe you. (laughs) And also literally every every media, every like institution Mm -hmm. has said that to me, um, in a different way. But anyway, I didn't have those words at the time. And so I felt that like, she wasn't wrong. I was projecting those things onto some people that hadn't said them. This is ending up to be a long story, but, um, I I felt like my experience was minimized 
And I felt like there wasn't the lens of like a power differential of like, what has brought me to this projection? Um, Because in some cases it wasn't a projection because literally people told me that. Yeah. Um, And in other cases it's like, okay, yeah, there's some work that I can do, but how about let's dismantle the system and let's like acknowledge the um, discrimination that has brought me to this feeling and thought pattern. Uh, yes. And that feels a lot more liberating than just like uh, working on my own cognitive distortions, if that makes sense. Sure. Like a both and. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, uh, okay, let me just be that therapist. Yeah. Because I was going to say, so yeah, it sounds like you really wanted someone to say like, wow, I'm so sorry that you've experienced that before. Yeah. And you know, what part of you maybe feels insecure about, you know, like, it's just like, you can kind of work with both of those things at the same time. Yes. They can both be true. And like, all of us can have, can hold accountability in those spaces, right? Like, yes. Yeah. I can be accountable, but let's, can we have some accountability? I'm just really struggling over that word. Can we have some accountability from the structures and systems that have yeah yes. created this like disordered way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, truly. I love that. And I love that you're going to be that therapist and I hope that you also find that therapist for yourself. Oh, thank you so much. Have you not, you so. haven't yet, not yet and still in pursuit. Oh, um, so I have heard like lots of people have, or not lots, one or two people have told me about some practices in Nashville Mm -hmm. that um, do this kind of work and that are great. I'm like seeing a free therapist right now because UT offers that, which is amazing as well. It is amazing. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, you know, you, you kind of expect uh, social work to be a field (laughs) that would know about this stuff and like operate as if they know about it. And that's not always the case. I know. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. That there's more of like a, like a wider lens approach to like, not just our individual work, but then also like the systems that can contribute to traumatizing and re-traumatizing people. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Well, I'm so excited for you because I know you're going to be amazing. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Um, Yeah. It's going to be great. So I wanted, without sharing any specific numbers or like specific harmful behaviors, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience with your body growing up. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the story that I have, okay. So starting at six years old, I can remember being ashamed of my body. Mm. That's like my very first memory. And I've learned since then that that's a pretty, um, like average stage in, in our lifespan to be thinking about our body, identifying it, um, and making judgments and like forming thoughts and beliefs about it. So I remember being at like, it was like water day at school because <laughs> that happened at six years old. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so we were wearing our bathing suits and I remember just like lying on one of those lounge things and looking at my stomach and thinking that's too big. I'm going to cover it with a towel. And there were a lot of messages growing up, very like uh, Protestant purity culture messages mm. around modesty that like intersect with fatness and being a woman in a real interesting, fun way. Interesting. Tell me more. I don't really know as much about the Protestant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's a lot of like, um, 
you know, wear a sports bra if you're going to be moving around a lot because you mm-hmm. don't want other men to see your boobs and then cause them to sin. So like your body is there is like your problem because it's affecting other people. Yep. It's a couple really fucked up things. That's one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The second is that like women's bodies are just inherently sexual and Mm -hmm. sexualized, which Mm -hmm. is true. Um, Mm -hmm. The second part of it. Yeah. Also, um, you know, like fatness is weird in our culture because it's either hypersexualized sure um or sexless right mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. especially once you turn a certain age it's like you're done yeah. like from the as far as the male gaze is concerned yeah um, which no thanks anyway yes by the way. no yeah yeah i'm we're good <laughs> <You're> <laughs> so anyway just lots of messages about like um be smaller be smaller, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then also the conflation of like morality with thinness. Um, mm. So, and honestly, back then it wasn't that much um, about health. Like okay. for me in like the 90s and early 2000s. Sure. It was just about looking thin, which yes. I kind of, you know, I'm glad that progress is being made. I think it's more insidious now though, truly. Oh, it's trickier for sure. Health and wellness being drawn into it. Like Mm -hmm. it's just a rebranding. Oh, for sure. For fat phobia. Anyway, I feel like I'm going on. No, this is all great. Yes. Uh, So I, I, um, what should I say? I lived in a, um, an average sized body growing Mm up. Uh, started dieting at like age nine, got a lot of messages about how bodies should look from taking lots of dance classes, which were like mm. sometimes super empowering, you know? Sure. Uh, and sometimes What kind not. of dance did you do? Um, ballet, tap, modern, jazz, point. Oh, so the whole spectrum. All the traditional. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. All the traditional stuff. Um. And what else? Yeah. Dieting lots. I got so much praise from getting smaller. Of course. Of course. Right at the time, by the way, when my body should have been changing for puberty, for puberty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And expected body change Mm -hmm. that like, for some reason we don't get told um, to expect. Mm -hmm. And like, I just don't know that there was a year after ninth grade that I wasn't on some kind of diet. And a lot of it was like yeah. with mom, with church friends, sure. with, you know, a, a yeah. lot of like accountability bullshit about like yeah. what you eat today. So it was like an, it was like a community thing too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was like oh, a yeah. social. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like bonding with women over dieting is huge cultural capital. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And, and and going against that is so hard because mm-hmm. it's almost easier just to say nothing than yes. to be like, well, we yeah. talk about anything else. Right. Yeah. Literally anything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I just, I think I believed that my body was just for other people. Truly. Yeah. Oh. It was decoration and um something to really be like policed by men. Yeah. <laughs> oh gross. Yeah. Yeah. Do I remember. Think... Oh, go ahead. 
Oh, that's okay. I, I just remember like a, a youth worker in my uh, church youth group, like mm-hmm. telling a group of us that we're doing like a dance to uh, probably some Mary Mary song or something, <laughs> some song we thought was super cool and being like, you guys need to wear, you, you need to wear uh, a sports bra for this because you're there's too much flopping around. Happening. There's yeah. too much. Oh movement happening. Yeah. Ridiculous. Do you think the purity, so the, the purity, it's so funny. So growing up in the North, not that there aren't religious people in the North, but sure. like I, I've only really been introduced to purity culture since I've been living in the South. Yeah. And so it's something that I'm definitely like learning about. And it's so interesting in how that relates to um, bodies, especially as they change, you know, yeah. through puberty and just yes. whatever through life. Um, I also wonder, is there some connection to that also related to food? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just curious. Oh God. Well, okay. Yes. Do you know about the remnant church here in Nashville? <laughs> No, I don't know. Like literally, I don't know anything about church stuff. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. oh boy. Okay. Well, this is a cult. Like we're going to call it a cult because yeah. it truly is. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. It started this woman. Okay. This is a wild story. I don't know if you're ready for it on your podcast, but <laughs> it, I mean, it's. Up. I'm ready to go. Okay. It's very uh, topical because she just was like, her body was just found in the Percy Priest Lake because <gasps> she was going to a MAGA rally in her private oh, plane. No. Yeah, but, but, um, so, so back in the eighties, nineties, uh, this woman create, I'm not going to say her name because I don't remember it. And also I don't really want her to like get that much publicity. Anyway, she created this workshop that was for the church and it was a weight loss program. Mm. She got wealthy and then created this church, an evangelical church around weight loss. Oh my God. The whole culture, the whole like, um, what are you, recruiting like people mm-hmm. that are vulnerable wow. and have body image to do this. And it was very much like, um, you want to like resist temptation and the temptation is eating. <laughs> so the thing that keeps you alive, oh you want to resist that. Um, so there's like some weird, like abnegation stuff, like as morality yeah. and, um, like thinness is godliness that is just like wow so fucked up wow anyway so that church was a whole thing she said really terrible things like she was inspired by the holocaust whoa create this diet Uh uh uh-huh uh-huh and um their church was like church slash cult was um investigated for child abuse claims it it, it's a it's a truly like this is very sad it's a very very sad story that has recently like been in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. Oh my goodness. I'm blanking on the book, um, that talks about how now we really make our diets like a religion. Yes. Mm -hmm. I can't think of that person, but she was on Dax Shepard's, uh, Oh, I thought it was a man that wrote the book. But um, it may yeah. also have been her. Yeah. Um, but basically it was, it was kind of talking about how we've turned, yeah, our religion into diets. Yeah. And like the period, but we don't like say that's what it is, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, that's and just the, really interesting. Yeah. Even the vocabulary around it, like clean, yeah. um, cleanses, mm-hmm. purification, you know, it's yes. all very religious. The, well, the morality. And so I could just see how dangerous that cult would be because it's, I mean, it's literally saying like, oh, you are like, it's, it's integrating people's religion and spirituality yeah. with 
thinness. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my goodness. Um, so when did you start to be like, wait a second, I don't want to hate myself anymore. What, what was that like <laughs> for you when you started to wake up and be like, I'm great. <laughs> um, I think it was a combination of the therapist that I was seeing that recommended mm-hmm. that I read health at every size. Love it which was like an experience. Like if you have yes. not read it, get ready. It's going to bring up some stuff and it's going to feel like grief and it's going to feel like relief and yes. it's going to feel like mm-hmm. all the things. Um, it was that. And it was um, getting into spoken word. This is like 2013, oh 2014. And I started watching um, one of the first ones was Sonia Renee Taylor's. Um, the body's not an apology. The body is not an apology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just remember watching that and being like, fuck, yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing. Because a lot of what that one is about, too, is like, I just remember sitting, okay, I remember sitting in a pedicure seat and wanting to apologize because my legs weren't shaved. Oh, my goodness. And then being like, "Mm -mm, the -mm. body's not an apology. Mm -mm. I'm not going to apologize for something that my body, like, does to take care of herself. Oh, oh my goodness. I think about this all the time. So I take a shower with my two-year-old a lot just for like yes. convenience purposes. And sometimes I shave my legs and she always wants to do what I'm doing. And I'm like, honey, don't even start. <laughs> don't even. I was like, honestly, I wish I'd never started. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, goodness. So I'm always like, I, I keep thinking about that every time. I'm like, I'm going to tell her. It's, yeah. it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Oh gosh, I can't imagine being a mom and trying to be like aware of all of those things all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard, especially with intuitive eating with toddlers, because, um, for me, it's always about, I want to make sure she has enough food. And, um, so a lot of what they say is don't look at the day, look at the week. So like some days she's like, won't eat a lot of food Mm. and I'll have to be like, okay, you know, yeah. I'll offer her things and then she'll say no. And I say, okay. And I want to be like, please eat something. But like, yes. she's fine. She just isn't hungry that day. And I have right. to just let her trust that. But my inside is freaking out. My outside is like, okay, that's fine. You know, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, 30 minutes later, I'll offer her something else. Or if she asks for something, then I give it to her. And um, yeah, part of that too is like, no matter what she asks for, if she's like, she's a cookie and wants a cookie. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the same. It's all, you know, right. Oh yeah. But it is like, I thought I did a lot of unlearning for my own self. And then this other little body that I'm like, Mm -hmm. so like want to be happy and healthy. Yes. Um, yeah, it feels like a lot. (laughs) I can't imagine. And by the way, you're already like doing great as you're not going like, what food can I take away from her? Oh God, no, no. I'm like, please eat every, like eat (laughs) anything and everything. We're just like going for, you know, yeah. all the things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you started going to therapy and you started yeah. reading some things and you were like, okay. Yeah. I think it was the step of like realizing, um, that weight doesn't equal health. That was a big one for me that sure. my size wasn't like a result of, um, a bunch of behaviors and numbers and that kind of thing and food and exercise, you know, that it was bigger than that. And then I had much less control over it than I thought I did. Um, And then, so once you, once I was kind of like, I'm healthy, F you, like who cares about how much I weigh? And then I was like, oh wait, but health isn't a moral imperative. Exactly. Right. That's that next layer where you're just like, oh, it's also like just okay just to be 
Right, <laughs> like, right. We don't because have to be I was striving. Yes, yes. I yes, was still yes. like hustling for my worth as a healthy person. Yeah. In in spite, in quotations, sure. of being fat, um, and then realized like health isn't accessible to everyone. I can't like this can't be morality because not everyone can access it. Like no, yeah, yeah, that's an unfair system. So then it was another twist, and I feel like they're just going to keep coming. You know. Well, also it's interesting too as a culture we define health as one specific thing, mm. and I think there can be just such there's more so much more room for what health can be and how yes. it can be very subjective. Yes, when we're like health looks like this yes. and it feels like this, and and it's like there's just so much more mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. in that space. Absolutely, and health is not is also fine like if it's not happening too. Yeah. You know, right. Having chronic illnesses yeah, or I mean, anything, it doesn't really, you're allowed to be however you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And like, also our definition of health is so like based on a medical model, it doesn't take mm-hmm. into consideration, um, anything about like our race, our ethnicity, our, um, class. Like there are so many pieces yeah. of it that are yes. much more informative than, like our labs that we get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to rewind a little bit and cause right at the beginning, you talked about body positivity versus body neutrality. And I'd love yeah. for you to kind of go back into that a little bit deeper. Yeah. So for me, um, I don't know if you're talking about the Enneagram on this podcast. Well, we can. All. Yeah. Okay. It's a great tool. People really love it. I'm, I'm yeah. slowly feeling my way into it. So Got please you. tell me your experience with that. I would love to hear. Okay. So I think I identify as a two on the Enneagram. And what that means for me is that I am very much a people pleaser. And mm-hmm. so kind of, as I said before, like I thought of my body as just like a decoration for other people to consume or disapprove of, or like, that's how I got my worth. Right. Wow. And, um, so body positivity, I feel like kind of still capitulates to that, meaning that, um, I still have to like find some kind of love for my body that doesn't always feel authentic. Mm. Um, and it still feels like the narratives and the rhetoric, like in that realm of body positivity, like meaning on Instagram is a lot of what I'm thinking of, or, you know, those spaces still is very much, um, like uses the body as, um, a way to sell things. I was going to say it's performative. It's performative. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it creates like this goal that is unattainable for a lot of people. Like for me to try to, um, be body positive, I'm still looking outward for some reason. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is just me Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. and who I am. Um, but to me, body neutrality is so much more about how I feel about myself Mm. than how I feel about how other people feel about me. Yes. Yes, definitely. Also, body positivity completely co-opted by white women a lot of them thin it's problematic yes yeah yeah and also it's not realistic because even the folks that may be like I love my body all the time it's like no you don't you 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 know we're humans we have cycles we have ups good days bad days like it doesn't leave room for the realistic like ebbs and flows of life and 
feelings and bodies Mm -hmm. and all bodies go through cycles, but especially bodies that have uteruses and that menstruate, like, you know, we feel things differently in different parts of our cycles. Yes. Yeah. You know, and all that contributes to it. Yeah. And I think body neutrality offers authenticity and like, like, I think something that I learned from you a lot, Sarah Jane is like bodies are just Mm. bodies are, (laughs) and there's no need to assign a meaning to it. There's Mm. no need to like bring toxic positivity and like wrap it up in a bow when bodies are becoming. So first of all, wrapping it up in a bow, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're still got to keep going. Right. Mm. Like, there's That's no arriving end. Yeah. 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 Um, and then also like to be able to, it feels very Buddhist maybe. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very Buddhist to be I able mean, to yeah. say this is neutral. Like yes. most things are mm-hmm. neutral and, and to like mm-hmm. live in like the nuances and the discomfort of things being not bad or good or right or wrong. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the whole point, right? Oh yeah. There's actually a Buddhist meditation that focuses on bodies getting sick, dying, decaying, the pus, the gross, like all the gross things of bodies. Yes. And I think that's so important to have as part of the experience because it's like, yeah, it's all allowed. Mm, Yes. You know, it's all allowed to be here. You're, you know, I don't know. I just keep thinking back to my postpartum experience where you're just kind of like, afraid to poop and then you poop a lot and you're bleeding everywhere (laughs) and you're you know it's like there's just like things coming out of all parts of your body you're just kind of like yep this is my body yeah this is my body (laughs) I have no control yeah but you don't have to like give birth to anyone to like have that experience you know it's like yeah you know oh I stubbed my toe today like this is how it is right now there's also this, this buddhist um phrase that a couple of the teachers that I that I follow say it's uh, right now it's like this mm. right now it's like this so this is how it is love you know? that yeah and that will change and that's the thing is the only thing that's constant is impermanence yes yeah 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 so what are you doing now to connect with your body these days well, I'm seeing you for yoga therapy, <laughs> which is a beautiful way to connect and experience neutrality. Um, I am also um, taking some courses this summer. And so one of the books that I'm reading is called My Grandmother's Hands, and it's about historical trauma. And it is about how um, not only victims of historical trauma have trauma living in their bodies that they're passing down, but also the perpetrators of that trauma Mm -hmm. have that as well. And so within the book, there are body activities um, that promote somatic healing because the author, and I really wish I could remember his name right now, but the author's argument is that we can't just cognitively just like address this. We have to somatically address this. Mm -hmm. So those practices have brought up a lot for me, uh, the summer doing them and doing yeah. them along with the Vinny yoga practice that you've yeah. developed for me, um, is I feel like pushing me definitely That's to awesome. sit in discomfort and, mm-hmm. and not even just, I, I don't mean physical discomfort. I mean, sure. like, I mean, sometimes it is somatic, but mm-hmm. it's just like realizing, Oh, I have some shame around this part of my body. Mm -hmm. 
and then being able, like I was doing my Vinny yoga practice a couple like weeks ago and realizing that there was some shame in certain parts of my body. And then just like holding in my mind, a picture of like little baby Megan and being like, what does she need? Like, or how can I expand compassion for myself? Like trying to see this new reality, like from her lens. And that's been really helpful. Oh, yes. Cause she's in there and she's like, hi, yeah. I just want to be loved and seen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, so often I can be like, why am I this way? Why am I thinking this way? Like, <laughs> yeah. which is part of the reason I was drawn to social work, I think in therapy, but mm-hmm. it's like, do I need this answer or do I need to just tend to baby Megan right now? Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. This reminds me of, um, speaking of my daughter, there's this children's book called grumpy monkey mm-hmm. and this monkey wakes up and he's grumpy and it's like everything's great but he's just feeling grumpy and then everyone in the jungle is trying to help him to not feel grumpy so they're like the birds are like sing with us and the monkeys are like swing with us and you know they want us to like do all these things and he's like I'm not grumpy he kept like denying that he was grumpy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it's so funny the first time I read this book I'm like oh I'm like oh and then he put on a smile and I was like oh maybe he feels better and he's like but he still didn't feel better you know and it's like he's yeah. trying like, like maybe this is the thing and then at the end his friend and who like got like hurt in this process of like trying all the things with him. Like he, he's fine. His name is Norman. He just danced with a porcupine. But so then they're sitting together and he's like, Norman, you look grumpy. And he was like, I'm not grumpy. I just danced with a porcupine. So they like sit on this little branch together and he's like, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I will be. But I think right now I just need to be grumpy. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Yes. It's so great. So nice. Oh you just got to be like, yeah. This is how I am right now. That's what I'm grumpy and that's fine. I think that that is so great. And I think for women and femme presenting people in general, um, accepting anger and grumpiness is uh, hard. And like it also um, is absolutely a way that I can connect to my body because I know just exactly how anger feels. Like Mm. the feeling in my body of anger is like, um, I start to feel like kind of jittery and a little like tightness in my stomach. And I think something that I learned a lot from Kate Moore too, is like, pay attention to that. Um, and so I think that's a beautiful way to like connect with your body and then be like, okay, what is, um, not like, how can I soothe this? But like, what does this mean? What do I care about? Yeah. That's being affected. Right. Especially with anger. Anger is usually popping up because something doesn't feel just or right or, you know, like it's like something isn't quite fitting. And then, um, yeah. And then be like, okay, so what is that? You know, and and then kind of going back to what your therapist talking about is like, is this mine or is this like something else? You know? Yes. And as a type two on the Enneagram, it's usually not mine. No, sometimes it is. Yeah. But you're probably feeling other people's stuff. Yes. Coming at you. Yeah. And, and one of my professors said that, um, depression is anger toward turned inwards. Mm. And so that gets confusing, right? Once you've habituated yeah. that response to feel like depression instead of anger, because anger can be really motivating. Depression is not. Um, yeah. so being able to accept that some things are anger and then like being as big as I want to be about it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
I love that. Megan. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for your shares and all, I mean, just such wonderful insight. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share or plug or? Mm -hmm. Uh, definitely listen to your episode on our podcast Mm -hmm. or just all of our podcasts. All of it. Yes. Such amazing We're on that you have and your fun songs. Yeah, we have songs too. (laughs) Um, We're on a big hiatus, but don't worry. They're coming back. Coming back to you. (laughs) Um, So look out for that. And I guess just like if you're listening to this, you definitely want to be doing yoga therapy with Sarah Jane. Mm, Oh my goodness. You're so sweet. Or just moving your body. Or just moving your body back. Which could be just like... Yeah, <laughs> which could just be like standing up and like walking around or sway, you know, it could be any, it doesn't have to be yes. like anything specific. Yes. But yes. Thank you for that. I think that's all. I think, um, I don't know when this is coming out, but I think we're going to do a book club soon. Great. Yeah. We're thinking, I'm thinking September. Okay. This will come out. Yes. Okay. So maybe, maybe, maybe not. It might yeah. be this summer, so you can take that out if you want. Okay. And then, so y'all will be doing, like, fat positive books. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So our podcast is, sorry, let me give you a little background on our yeah. podcast. Let's talk it, about Nobody Asked for This real quick. Okay. <laughs> um, it's me and my co-host, Kendra Crabtree, and it is a diet culture takedown. So we talk about stuff in pop culture that's fat phobic. We um, sing really silly parody songs, and we have guests on and we interview them about their experience of fat phobia with like other intersections of oppression yeah and that's kind of our deal yeah it's silly like fun and, and serious deep. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. fun and Love deep it. yeah oh and snacks i can't forget that i was gonna say talk let's snacks. talk about snacks baby, baby. Yeah. <laughs> i still think about that all the time <laughs> so good awesome well megan i really really appreciate your time and Thank um you. Yeah. Thanks Thanks so much much for having me. It's so, so fun to be interviewed. Oh, good. Yeah. I get to be on the other side of the microphone. Yes. Looks good on (laughs) you. Here's one thing that you can do to be okay with being you. Here's one thing that you can do to be okay with being you. Uh, First, I want to just acknowledge my, I'm at the tail end of a cold. So my voice is just a little bit different today. So we are going to talk about anti-fat biases. You may have heard at the beginning of the episode that Megan identifies as a fat person. Um, If that made you feel uncomfortable, this might be a clue that you might have some anti-fat biases. Being a fat person is not a good thing or a bad thing. It just is, right? It's just a descriptor. It's like, I'm tall, I'm short, whatever. I'm fat, I'm thin. Just is what it is. Um, Unfortunately, in our culture, we stigmatize people in fat bodies, and there are also a lot of systems that can really harm people in fat bodies, specifically in the medical system, and um, a lot of, like, public spaces, like, I mean, ever ride in an airplane, right? It's not comfortable for someone in, like, a straight-sized body, so definitely not comfortable for someone in a large body. Um, A lot of this is specifically harmful towards folks in fat bodies of color, fat queer bodies, fat disabled bodies. Um, It just makes it really hard for a lot of people to move around the world, unfortunately, and it does not have to be that way. So um, some things I want to talk about are a lot of the stigma behind people in large bodies is people judge 
what they think that their health is. So first, you cannot tell what someone's health is just by looking at them, right? We are not their doctors. You are not their doctor. We don't know, right? People, um, you never know what's going on the inside of the body from the outside of their body. And on that same note, nobody owes us their health, right? People are allowed to live their lives in the way that they want to live their lives. And honestly, it's nobody's business, right? It's not harming other people. Like it's nobody's business, right? They're allowed to live their lives however they want to live them. So if you're noticing, oh shoot, maybe I do have some anti-fat biases. Here are three things that you can do to start to work with that. So the first thing is just acknowledging that. Oh shit, I do have some anti-fat biases. Maybe I, I do have a lot of judgment towards folks in larger bodies. And this can happen even if you all already are, if you are in a larger body, right? Then you can still experience that towards people. So recognize your own anti-fat biases. And the second part is noticing the media that you consume. So um, social media, TV shows, movies are all the people that you see in that mostly thin, white, cis, able-bodied people. Okay, so maybe it's time to switch that up a little bit. Follow people, a variety of bodies, and lived experiences. Um, Maybe also... um, yeah, maybe unfollowing people that are like super able. I mean, if you really like them, great. But this is also a really good thing. Um, if you're following someone and they don't make you feel great, then yeah, you just, you can mute, you can unfollow, all that. The third part is looking at public spaces and seeing how accessible they are for folks in larger bodies and then saying something if you have the power and privilege to do so. So quick story, I used to work out of a co-working space that was an old warehouse and it had these older small bathrooms. And uh, one of my clients was like, this bathroom is really uncomfortable. It's very, very tight. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. Like, me in a straight size body, it always felt like a little snug for me too, but definitely like there was not a lot of room for someone in a large body. So I asked the staff if what other options we had and they weren't great. So I moved my location, not just for my clients, but I wanted to be in a space that was supportive for people in, um, in all body sizes. So just to review three things you can do to work on your anti-fat biases is first acknowledge that you have it. And then um, edit the media that you consume to include a variety of bodies and lived experiences. And then look at public spaces, restaurants, um, any place that you're like, oh, wow, this, this doesn't seem like it's accessible to people. And say something. And if you have the power to change it, then please do that. Uh, this is just a reminder that all bodies are good bodies. And here's one thing that you can do to be okay with being you. Talk soon. That's okay if your body's changed and that's okay if your body's changed. That's okay if your body's changed and why would you expect them to stay the same when in fact everything does change?